Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for Smart Simple Wealth. It's another edition of Smart Simple Wealth. Thanks for being here. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Carrie Qureshi, a state and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law Firm, serving you throughout Arkansas, Tennessee, and Texas. You can find Carrie online by going to QureshiLaw.com. Link in the description of today's show. Carrie, ready for another great episode today? I am. I'm ready to rock and roll. Fantastic. We're talking about a uh, good specialty on today's show for a, a good chunk of the program. We're going to be talking about retirement planning specifically for business owners and trying to talk about maybe some of the misconceptions that business owners often fall into when it comes to preparing for retirement. So that should be a really good conversation. Uh, We're also a little bit later on going to answer a question from Thomas, wondering about parents getting a little bit older and gifting of the house and some large assets and the rules that surround that. That's going to be a very informative question, I think. Also, we're going to see if, you know, what uh, bird, land animal, or sea creature... Uh, that Carrie would be if life were a Disney movie and she could turn into one of them. We're really taking it back to the questions we used to ask our friends when we were five years old on today's right. show. So. Yep, that's okay. <laughs> that should be a fun one. That should be really good. But we'll get it started, as we always do, with a quote of the month. This one comes to us from somebody named Brian O'Driscoll, who was apparently a rugby legend. I'm not a big rugby follower, so I didn't know that, but... There yeah, I've never, I've never heard of his name either. So. Yeah, but uh, interesting sport rugby is, and apparently he was really good at it. And he once said, if you're thinking about retiring in six months, you've already mentally retired. And that's kind of interesting. That would make sense coming from an athlete, wouldn't it? Right, right. No, and I think I think it's true in, in any sense of retirement. It's it's one of those things, even like where you're thinking about getting a new job, and you know you're you're daydreaming and and looking okay, you know, and, and and making that change. You know, I think he's right. You know, you've kind of already checked out, and you're ready for that next phase. It's kind of like in school. We can all remember maybe that senior year of high school or college where you started. We called it senioritis. You know, back yep. then, right? And yep. you kind of had that same thing. Once you started really turning that page towards summer and the next stage of your life, it was really hard to stay focused on what you were currently doing. And that's a really important lesson, I guess, for a lot of people to think about when it comes to their financial planning, right? Like, that's why the time to start planning is way ahead of that retirement date. Because if you're already mentally retired and you're just now starting to then plan for it, you may find out you need to work a couple more years and now you got to get your mindset back into that. Yeah, you definitely don't want to start planning for retirement you know, six months out. It needs, to, you know, like you said, we need we need to approach that, you know, um, and give, give us more time to do the planning to make sure that everything is set up for you to actually retire when you want. I know everybody is different, but it was interesting kind of watch uh, to watch my own parents go through this over the last couple of years because they've just kind of, you know, started getting into their 60s over the last few years and, you know, approaching retirement. But when it was still sort of that five or six years away, Dad was still of the mindset of I'll probably never retire. And Mom has, like, known her retirement date for many, many years, but five years still seemed like a really long time away for her. So, you know, I was trying to talk to them after, you know, getting so much good advice from you over the years, Carrie, (laughs) talking to them a little bit about, like, you guys need to make some choices, start moving the ball down the field a little bit, and, you know, that that you're really in the prime zone now. And it was interesting to watch when it went from five to about the three-year mark they started to get a lot more serious about it. And then when coronavirus hit, they got really f- serious really fast mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. finally saying, okay, now it feels close enough to where it's actually tangible. 
and dad went from I'll probably never retire to I want to retire the same day mo- your mom does, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a good uh, it's interesting to watch that transition happen mentally as you get a little bit closer to that retirement date. Things can change a lot in those last few years. So just a a good food for thought kind of thing on the show. All right. So let's talk about business owners, Carrie. Um, And I think they're particularly vulnerable to some misconceptions and false assumptions about their retirement. And maybe one of the reasons being for anybody who's ever owned or run their own business, your mind's really occupied a lot all the time about the business. And sometimes it's hard to kind of like look out for number one and look out for yourself um, when it comes to retirement planning and thinking that long term. And then you kind of just fall into some of these traps, if you will. So I want to cover some of them on the show today. See if you agree with them, Carrie, with these takeaways, and uh, if you see them in your office when you meet with folks. A lot of people kind of take this approach. Business owners say, if I execute my business plan, my retirement plan will just take care of itself as well. Sort of one follows the other. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. We hear that a lot. And, and, and And a big part of my practice is working with business owners. And so I can definitely relate but, you know, and it's very easy to fall into this assumption, right? Because you're putting your heart and soul and all of your money back into the business. I'm mean, saying, okay, you know, I'm investing in growth and to grow it. I and mean, the idea behind that is that, you know, you're going to create enough value in this business that it will fund the retirement later, either you know, through, um, you know, selling it and liquidating at some point, maybe taking on a, a less active role and having a manager, but still having that income stream. But, you know, that's some pretty vague thinking, um, because if there's not, you know, a really specific plan in place, there's a good chance it won't work for a lot of reasons. And so it's really important that, you know, yes, you're, you're growing the business, but you need to establish some retirement accounts and fund them as well. And so you're not solely relying on the business itself to provide for your retirement. That's a really good point. Yeah, one's not going to necessarily follow the other. Now, a lot of other business owners will look at it and say, you know what, I don't necessarily have a lot of money in the bank because I've been putting it all back into the business. But I have a high net worth when you factor in the value of this business I've spent maybe you know many years or my lifetime building up. And they kind of just think, okay, well, that value is obviously going to help me then retire. That's where all my funds are going to come from. Right. And, you know, I think that's a little, I mean, it's somewhat related to, you know, the, the first issue, but, you know, a lot of business owners are disappointed to find out that their business is probably not worth exactly what they think it is. And that could be for a number of different factors, right? Depending on, you know, the, the multiplier valuation model, you know, we've had clients that own businesses that were getting ready to sell and then COVID hit. And guess what? A lot of those sales got postponed. The buyers couldn't get funding or they said the value was go down. They wanted to renegotiate, you know, the terms of the agreement. And so, it, you know, you can't always count on, you know, that net worth of the business, again, to provide for your retirement. Um, and so, yeah, that's really important that there's, there's just a lot of factors that are going to go into ultimately what that value of the business is. Like everything in life, it's only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. And, um, you know, often that ends up being a little less than, you know, we wish and we hope that it would be. It doesn't mean all the time, but sometimes. Other folks think that when they sell that business, they'll make more than enough to support themselves in retirement. Where's the flaw necessarily in that thinking? Well, I mean, you know, if if you do find a buyer and we say, okay, I'm going to sell it and liquidate, you know, you may not be able to sell it outright. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of business deals where we did owner financing, especially if, say, you brought an employee 
into the business and they work their way up in the company and we're manager and, and they want to own or finance it. And it's really important for you to have them buy it versus a third party. And so then, you know, something like that would be harder, you know, to decide, is that going to generate the cash flow if you had to own or finance it? You know, if you're not really there running the, the operations day to day. Yeah, that doesn't sound like retirement to me. <laughs> yeah. Still having to stay, uh, you know, engaged in what's going on probably a little bit because they now your retirement's relying on somebody else running the operation. That gets into right. a little bit of a scary right. situation. Right, and, and if, if it's a payment plan, I mean, if it's owner finance, you know, things go great for a few years, but then what if things tank? Yeah. You know, your income is still from that. What if they can't make the note to pay you back? Leads to a lot of problems and issues. So. Yep. Underscores why it's so important not to just rely on your business to provide for your retirement. One more misconception. A lot of people think that the family is going to take over the business. So I know they'll run it well and take care of me in return. We've all heard horror stories of family and business mixing, and I'm sure that this is uh, another one of those kinds of examples. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and, and we, we deal with a lot of family-owned businesses um, as well. And I was just talking with one of our clients um, a few days ago um, on his estate planning, and he has one son that's in the business, very involved, uh, manager, leadership role, and the other three kids have nothing to do with the business. And so we had to have a discussion about, you know, not leaving the business equally to the kids, Right. Because, you know, the 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 son that is, is the leader, you know, he he can manage the company. But what about the other three that have no business sense? And, you know, I just I, I say it's too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. And so that's an issue. But you really have to think through some of these aspects. And so, you know, sometimes those family business transitions go off beautifully. Um, and other times there's just a lot of assumptions um, that have been made because we haven't had those those discussions. And so it's really important to make sure that things have been discussed, things have been um, planned out, especially if you're going to pass that business on to a family member. And again, you know, it, I still wouldn't leave it up to, you know, the business 100% um, providing for my retirement. I would still want some some other outside accounts as well. That's a great point. So take us inside the room when you meet with somebody who is a, a business owner, Carrie, and you start talking to them about retirement planning and maybe the legal implications of whether it be a family issue. But what does the conversation usually look like? How can you get business owners to focus on their retirement in the proper way and not relying on some of these things that really have proven to be misconceptions? You know, I think it's asking the right questions. A lot of times when we're having those conversations, the business owner may may, may honestly say, you know, that that's a great question. You know, I've really never thought about that before. And I think having those discussions and opening up your eyes to some of the what ifs, I think that that's the first stage. And then really, um, you know, having, you know, encouraging those discussions with the family members, you know, what, what do the kids expect? Do they expect to inherit the business? Do they expect to, to do they want it? Do they, they just want to liquidate it. Some kids will say, I don't even want to mess with it. You know, I just, I'd rather have the, the cash, you know, mom and dad. And so, Getting on that same page and having that conversations is critical because once we understand that, then the planning part is easy, but it's just really understanding the goals um, and understanding the expectations uh, of the family members. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. And so important to have conversations about everything going on, not only from your business, but remembering to keep retirement in mind. Just like everybody else, business owners aren't exempt from keeping those things in perspective, too. So make sure you 
take good planning opportunities, and, and you have a lot of things available to you that I'm sure Carrie can get into more detail with you when you come in and have a conversation. If you'd like to set up that time to meet, if you're a small business owner and uh, want to talk a little bit more about how to plan properly for your retirement, given your unique situation, uh, give a call. 870-275-4304 is the number. Carrie can approach the conversation not only from the financial perspective, but that legal and life planning aspect as well. 870-275-4304 or go online to CoratiLaw.com. Link in the description of today's program. It's getting to know you time. All right, we'll do a fun question this month, Carrie. Uh, What type of bird, (laughs) land animal, and sea creature would you be if life were a Disney movie and you could turn into them? Do I have to do one of each, or is it bird, land animal, or however, sea creature? However you okay. want to approach it. Okay. So okay. One, one of each, or, or just pick one of them, Oof. whatever you want. Okay. I mean, I, I, I always would like to fly, but I think I don't, I still don't think I could be a bird. And so... <laughs> birds have a tough life, I think. You know, yeah. it's cool that they fly, but birds do have kind of a rough That's life. about the only good thing. So I think if it were a Disney movie, I mean... A lot of people would probably say, oh, oh, like, you know, a horse or a unicorn or something. Or a but panda or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I think I'd be a corgi. I mean, oh, we, we've I should have known that. We've yeah. had these discussions. I mean, you know, you're a corgi owner. I'm a corgi owner. Mm-hmm. I always think that if I could come back in my next life, I would want to be a corgi. I, I, there's a lot of resemblance. Um, I'm, I'm hard-headed and, and stubborn like corgis, but I, I enjoy um, some humor in my life. And so, yeah, I think Disney, you know, I don't know. There was a corgi movie out, but I don't know who made that. The one with the Queen of England. Did you ever see the well, they had like a, a minion, one of the minions type movies or uh, Despicable Me or whatever that, you know, the series with the little yellow guys with the suspenders. The Queen of England was in one of those movies and had a ton of corgis running around all over the place. Yeah. No, this was called Google that the Queen's Corgi. So oh, it was so it's done, like they're, they're the main characters. Gotcha. They're the main characters. And I actually I'm surprised I've never seen it, but it was supposed to be super, super cute. <laughs> Not a Disney movie. It was produced by somebody else, but it was all about the, the corgis, so nice. mischievous corgis. So yeah, I think I think I'd go with a corgi. What about what about you? There you go. I would still probably pick a bird, even though the birds probably live a tough life. <laughs> I just think that the trade off of being able to fly would be pretty cool. So any particular bird? This is going to be a, a an odd answer, but probably a seagull. You know, you get to like hang out on the beach and snack on Cheetos and stuff that people are going to throw throw to you while they're hanging out on the beach. And you just kind of get to live at the ocean, float around on the breeze. And, you know, they're kind of hearty and got a bunch of friends always hanging out with you, you know, on the beach. So, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably go with seagull, something like that. Oh, I like that. <laughs> probably not the most popular of answers, but, uh, yeah. you know, nothing bothers them too much, it seems. So, yeah, I'll yeah. go with the – it'd be tough in the winter when you have less people there to feed you, though. Right. But they don't. I don't know if seagulls eat a whole lot of worms and stuff. So I would stay away from the ones that have to survive off of worms. Right. No, I'd, I'd definitely go for Cheetos any day. Yeah. Yeah. Why sandwiches, not? bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sandwiches, bread, leftover, leftover meats and whatnot. Yeah. You're, you're in good shape as a seagull. So okay. I'd, I'd probably go for that. Oh, too funny. Well, there you go. Getting to know Carrie a little bit better. We should have known that corgis would be the answer there. All right. Time to answer one of your questions coming up next. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Okay, today's question comes to us from Thomas in Memphis. Thomas says, my parents are getting older, and they've talked about just gifting 
me and my sister the house and some of the other large assets right now. My parents said if they needed anything, we could still use the money to take care of them. Is this a good idea? Mm, Thomas, you know, this this is such a frequent question. You know, we see clients as they get older, they feel like just giving away the assets to the kids is the easiest estate plan, right? So they don't, you know, they don't want to rely on the will or, or do any other type of planning. So we're just going to give it all to the kids. And so when we pass, we don't have anything, right? And it'll be super easy. But there's three big issues with this type of situation. And the first issue is with Medicaid and long-term care planning. So if the parents gift away any of their assets, if within the next five years, either of your parents need long-term care or nursing home care under Medicaid, those gifts are going to be counted as an available resource because Medicaid would say, if you had not gifted away, you know, your home and this money, you would have had that money to pay for your own care and not needed Medicaid to pay for it. And so that's a huge, huge problem when, when parents start gifting and, and they need long-term care planning. The second issue is really around asset protection. Because when you gift those assets to the children, they are legally, they, they belong to the children now. And so if your child was in a lawsuit, if they were in a car crash, if they were in a bankruptcy proceeding, your money that you're giving the kids to hold on to and take care of your, you, know, you, you later if you need it, it could be wiped out. And, you know, I'd say the third issue um, it, and it depends, this may not be as big of an issue, depends on the type of asset, is really surrounding taxes with, with capital gains. And so there's an issue with when you gift um, assets to children versus when they inherit them upon your death. And so if you have assets like real estate and things that appreciate quickly, you know, you're going to give the kids some tax problems um, if they were ever to sell that um, property later. And, and that's all based around the capital gains tax. So a lot of little moving parts to be aware of there, Thomas. It makes sense on the surface, right? Like it's when the idea first hits you. That's why so many people yeah. ask this question. It seems like, oh, well, that's Seems logical. easy. Seems easy. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. And, and they just don't, they're just not aware of all of the issues. And, and usually there is some better planning approaches. Um, if you talk to an attorney and they kind of know the big picture, then they can advise you on maybe some better planning techniques um, that will still allow the parents to maintain control of the assets pass to the kids only upon their death, make sure that they're still qualified for Medicaid, and make sure to minimize taxes. So it's really important, um, even if you think it's a a cut-and-dry scenario, is to get some professional advice. So Thomas and anybody else who's maybe kind of gone down this line of thinking recently, contact Harry. Get a little bit more information about some of the planning things that you may want to address, and you want to make sure you steer clear of any major issues, which, you know, this particular path can have a lot of them. So you want to make sure that you're doing right by the uh, duties of Uncle Sam and uh, some of the other rules and regulations that are out there. So definitely work with uh, Carrie and her team at Qureshi Law Firm. This is where, you know, that is so valuable to have that mix, Carrie, that you do of not just doing financial or the legal side, but you really incorporate the financial, the legal, and in this case, we're talking about multiple generations involved, we're talking about really estate planning. So, you know, life planning comes into play here as well. Right. And that's what you yeah. guys, you merge all of that into your process, which is a, a unique in, in the world out there. 
Right. And that's why it was so important for me to create that type of practice and for us to have a team of attorneys, um, financial professionals, a CFP and a CPA within our office. And because a lot of these issues overlap. And so if you do planning, what I call planning in a silo, right? And you're just, you know, you've got blinders on and you're only focused on, say, a tax issue or you're only focused on a legal issue, you know, there's a lot of crossover. And if you don't address all of these different issues, then yes, there could be problems down the road. And so that's why, you know, it was so important to have this type of planning to make sure that, you know, regardless of whether it's our clients, you know, being able to retire on time or being able to leave a legacy for their kids, we want it to work when the time comes. And so we definitely have to make sure we're addressing all those issues. Yeah, it's like uh, I like to think of the different parts of the process are like our extremities. So, you know, financial planning is one arm, legal is another arm, taxes is a, is a leg, and, you know, the life planning or estate planning side is another leg. And a lot of times people make decisions with just one of those things taken into account. But you can't walk and talk and, you know, move your arms. You can't fully operate very well if only one of those things is constantly making all the decisions. They've all got to work together. One, one foot has to move when the other knows what it's doing. It's so much more beneficial. You walk safer in the analogy, and uh, you plan a lot better when all those things are working in concert with one another. And too many people don't make decisions and understand how one factor may influence you know, the tax side or the estate planning side if we make this decision on the financial side. And that's what's so cool about what you've brought together as well. Uh, the cool thing is you have talked uh, a lot about these different concepts on your website, QureshiLaw.com. The website is still relatively new. If people didn't hear, we announced the new website on the last podcast. You've got lots of great resources and things for people to learn about on there to explore more of these topics. Yeah, and so I would I would encourage uh, listeners um, if they want to get more information, please you know go to our web- website, check out the the free resources. We have a lot of different books um, they can request, um, reports, um, webinars. Um, if if you're into watching videos um, and and read the reviews, um, we've taken a lot of time to you know ask for feedback in, in what we're doing and making sure our clients are happy. And so I would definitely encourage people to check out the reviews of what, you know, past clients are, are saying about us. And really, you know, just, just getting some more information about the website. And then if they have additional questions, you know, reach out to us. You know, this is what we're here for. We love what we do and we're happy to help. All you have to do to get in touch again is uh, give Carrie a call, 870-275-4304, or you can go to the website, com, and we'll link to that in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Carrie, thanks for the advice and guidance on the program today. Really enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you again next month. Thank you, Walter. Have a good day. You too. That's Carrie Qureshi. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth Podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe.
Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.